Hello, and welcome to Brain to Board. About six weeks ago, I decided to start designing a board game. About five weeks ago, I decided to start this podcast to document the thinking behind the game itself and the process of actually getting it out into the world. Now that I know I'm going to commit to this new game I'm working on, I've started exploring different ways to create prototypes. Today, I'm going to talk about my first prototype, playtesting with that prototype, and how I plan to make better prototypes in the near future using drive through cards. Alright, so my first prototype. Since this game basically is just cards, it's really simple to make new versions of it and add stuff to it and remove stuff, so I really like that. Uh, apparently, playtesting an all-card game is a lot easier than a game that requires like whole big board and stuff, because if you want to make any changes to that, you got to change a lot of components. Whereas this, it's just like throwing a new card or something. My brother had this big box of blank playing cards for some reason, and I asked him if I could borrow them, and he said sure. And by borrow, I mean use, because I'm going to draw on them with Sharpie. And he was still fine with that. So <laughs> he let me use them, and I've been just writing on them. This is not like a normal 52-deck card thing. It's, it's like a huge box with like, I don't know, maybe like a few hundred, several hundred different cards. And not and by different, I mean they're all the same because they're all blank. And it, it, the point is, it's a lot of cards in just a big box. So I have like I can make as many prototypes as I want out of this, basically. So I wrote down all the stuff for my cards, sleeved them up, because a big thing in my game is if you can tell the cards apart, it kind of ruins it, since it's all about having secret identities and stuff, and having secret information, so if you can tell the cards apart by their backs, that's no good. So, put them in sleeves. I actually made some cards to indicate colors, because sort of the goal of the game is to determine what color you have at certain points, and figure out which color there's the most of out there. So the different colors need to be exactly the same, so I couldn't just like draw little dots of color, because there's no way I could draw that consistently. So I took sticky notes of different colors, and I put those on the cards, and I made sure I actually measured the exact spot I put them, so that they would all look more or less identical. They aren't perfect. If you really take time to study it, you can figure out like which cards which, but if you do that, you're probably going to be, you know, kind of screwing yourself over for the game anyway, because it, it's a limited amount of time you have to actually look at these things, so it totally works for just this prototype. All right, so playtesting with the prototype. The first run-through of the game was a little bit rough, and that was mostly just because the rules turned out to be a bit more complicated and sort of abstract, even for these people who I was playing with who have played a lot of similar games. The game's pretty similar to Resistance or Avalon, and I played with a group of friends who have played Avalon a lot of times, so they were already sort of familiar with the thing, and they still made a lot of mistakes with the rules, and I figured out that that was not necessarily because the rules were bad or overly complicated. It was just that what was written on the cards was a little bit too shortened because I was writing it with Sharpie, so I had to fit it into a smaller space, which is why I really want to move on to a better prototype where I can actually print on the cards and have the full explanation of the rules so it doesn't have these like weird, unexplained conflicts. Once we got past that, though, it went pretty well. I also made a few changes to the rules of the game to streamline it and make it play faster and um, in a way that's easier to keep track of. And I even added a new card. So the idea was there's a secret phase where everyone closes their eyes, one person takes a turn, and then they tap the next person to take a turn. And every other turn, you would get to look at a card. Only if you were tapped on, like, the second turn. So the way I was doing that before was when you tap someone, you'd hold up a number of fingers to them. If you hold up a two, that means they don't get to peek. If you hold up a one, that means they do get to peek at a card. And then you would, when you tap the next person, you would hold up whichever number wasn't held up to you. So if someone held up a two to you, you'd hold up a one to the next person. 
and that was the system for that. But as it turns out, it's a little bit difficult to keep track of that when you're also trying to like remember secret information and keep track of what's being swapped around. So one of my friends who I was playing with came up with the idea of having an indicator on the table of whether or not you can peek, and then all you have to do is remember to switch that at the end of your turn so you don't have to actually think about the number of fingers you're holding up and because we were at a rubik's cube competition or right after one when i was playing this we just set a rubik's cube on the table and it was like okay if it's solved you can peek if it's one turn away you cannot and that was what we used but then the second day we played i added a new card which i just made on the spot i drew an eye on it and it was just like okay if the eye is showing you can peek if it's flipped upside down you cannot so that was a really simple, easy change to make, and that eye card is now going to be in the next prototype of the game. I also realized there were a few roles that were a little bit complicated and didn't really add any interest or uh, they didn't really add anything, anything of importance to the game. So those roles were basically during that secret night phase when you can't see what's going on or everyone has their eyes closed except for one person. You get to swap cards in certain ways, and I had different roles for how you swap the cards, but I realized it, it didn't add enough. It should just be that everyone swaps them the same way, except for, like, one person. There could be one special role, but anything more than that just added extra, like, side cases and exceptions and different complications to the rules that really didn't need to be there and didn't add anything. So I got rid of all those uh, based on their recommendations, and I totally agreed with that. The game played a lot better after getting rid of that and really only having two roles, like one standard role and then one exception. Overall, though, the game worked really well. It was really fun to play, especially when we played with this sort of longer variant where it's a best of three. I think I mentioned it on the last episode. That game was really exciting, and I, I actually ended up being like the one person who knew what was actually going on, so I got to watch what other people did as they were trying to figure stuff out. Um, for instance, each color can only... I mean, this isn't exactly true, but it's close enough for you to understand what I'm talking about. Each color can only be the majority color once of these three games. In the first game, everyone voted for blue, but they weren't sure if they got it right. They actually did, and I also voted for blue, even though that was hurting me, because I wanted them, like, I wanted to seem like I was on their team, I wanted to confuse them, so that when they were thinking back on it, they were like, maybe we got that wrong? Like, why did four people vote for that? We were expecting only three. That sort of thing. And then the second round, they knew it could not be blue if they had gotten that first round right, but I managed to plant a seed of doubt in their minds, and then they were like, alright, we should really just go for blue again just to be safe. So they did, knowing that it was guaranteed that one of them was wrong. But they did it anyway, and that was a lot of fun for me to watch. The game overall worked super well, they had a lot of fun with it, and they wanted to play again, so that was good. I'm super happy with the game, and I know it's gonna be a lot of fun. So let's talk about how I'm going to make my next prototype. Like I said in the teaser part of the intro, I'm printing this with drive-through cards. In case you don't know, there are sort of a few different services out there for printing card games and board games on command. On command? I mean on demand. The big one for board games with lots of components is the Game Crafter, and one of the best ones for cards, at least from what I can tell, is drive-through cards. This is still the early stages for me, and I haven't actually received my order yet, but I just placed it, and the whole process was okay. Drive-through cards interface was a lot more dense and kind of confusing than the Game Crafters was from when I looked into that, but their price was a lot cheaper if you're just printing cards, so I think it's a good option to go with, and I will update you as to the quality and stuff of those cards and the printing once I actually receive them, which should be in a week or two. So what I'm actually printing is, well, I designed a prototype deck in Adobe InDesign because drive-through cards required me to submit a PDF file, 
So I just threw together some cards with even some basic graphics on them showing what they do. Hopefully that'll give me an idea of whether I need to make better graphics or better card descriptions or anything like that in order to actually make the game better and more playable for new players. But I'm planning to take this prototype deck and use it with lots of new people. Everything's real simple. It's mostly just text and a few like different colors and gradients and stuff. Uh, no real symbols except for some standard shapes. But overall, I think it actually looks pretty good, so it should be pretty cool if I'm like playing with people I don't know super well. They'll be able to take me more seriously than if I just set down a pack of hand-drawn cards in front of them. So that's about it for this week. This has been Brain to Board. You can email me at braindeboard at gmail.com. I post these episodes every Friday. This one's a little bit short because there wasn't too much to talk about this week, but at least there is something. And the music in this podcast is by Technoax. Thanks for listening, and you'll hear from me next week.